Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. What's up, Internet? You're listening to Fan Bro Show, the voice of the Irby Geek, where we discuss geek culture from the perspective of people of color. And it's your boy, DJ Benjamin, a.k.a. Soldier 70 Spliff, the Captain Kirk of hip-hop, the anti-trife equation, the butcher of names, Chaz Tetram, a.k.a. Doctor Whose Man Is This? <laughs> Woo! Here on Fan Bro Show, like I said before, for all nerds. And as always, I am joined by Tatiana King-Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as the Ahura of the Spaceship, Flex Luthor, Chance the Parappa, Gin and Juice Urso, Blackness Everdeen, and Sean John Luke Picard. Very nice. Very nice. Gin and Juice Urso. Still still great one. You didn't throw in this Shade Runner because I always loved that one as well. That's always a classic AKA of yours right there. That is classic. I'll probably, I'll probably bring that back next week. Um, I also, just to warn everybody, I have a cold, so I'm going to sound a little bit underwater to you guys. Sorry. Yep, a little underwater rhymes for everyone out there on the internets tonight. Welcome to the spaceship. You know, like we said before, this is Fan Bros Show. Hope everyone is having a great week, enjoying their life out there. It's been a big, 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 big week for us because we returned special delivery. Everyone has been asking about it. Our TV review show has returned. And not only has it returned, it is improved. I should say. Yes, it has. I really enjoyed it. I think you guys did an awesome job. Thank you. It was me and LOYC, but when I meant that we improved, we are now on YouTube.com slash show. You can find us right there where you can find the, the new episodes of Special Delivery. We'll be, we'll be discussing everything in TV, particularly Game of Thrones, Insecure, and not only that, it's live. Man, it's it's a lot going on. Every bet, Sunday night. I'm probably going to have to jump in now. Yes, you are. Yes. Every Sunday night, 11.15 p.m., catch us on Twitter.com slash Show. probably on the Instagram soon, you know, Show, YouTube, all those things. We'll be there every Sunday night. And then if you miss us, you can catch us, you know, on the replay for the rest of the week, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. 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 It's on and popping out here, boy. <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm flexing a little bit, but you know, things is doing good or things is doing great. How, how you doing, Tatiana? I feel like I'm talking a lot right now. That's okay. I'm doing good, but but hey, you should flex because we got a lot going on. Especially this week, this Thursday, we actually oh. have the art show going on. Yes. Let me do it one more time. The art show. <laughs> For all of my NYC fam bros fam, please come out to Pink's Bar down in Lower Manhattan. We are going to have an amazing art show with music uh, spinning by your favorite DJ Ben Amin. We'll have an amazing food. We're also going to have some giveaways, lots of loot crate stuff. So definitely come through and shout 
big shouts and support and just brilliance just a brilliant merge, merge art, Merjani. She is our art curator. And when I say she helped us get the most fire art from across the country, I am so, so happy. It looks amazing. And I can't wait till you guys see it. Mm-hmm. So Paints Bar and Grill, you'll be able to catch us there tomorrow night. I mean, by the time you listen to this, that will be tonight. Right? Tonight. Be there. If you're in 7 NYC, PM. 7 p.m. to 11 p.m., come through. You know, we'll have some drinks. We'll have some music. I'll be selling my book, The World Is Yours. You know, you can get a copy. I'll be signing it. And the art, like Tatiana said, is crazy. Chet Fambro's on Instagram today because you're going to see some more pictures, a little video, you know, a little preview, a little something, something to get you hyped because... <laughs> mm, it's looking so sweet. So be there, you know, tonight. Paints, check the, bleh, check the Instagram, <laughs> check the Twitter, all that good stuff at Fanbro Show for all the information. And, you know, you might want to check that Instagram for something else because, you know, it's been it's been a little popping over on Instagram, you know, dot com slash Fanbro Show. Uh, a certain, yeah, we've been. Yeah. Oh, I was I mean, going to say. Know, well, we've we been having some other stuff. I know we're both interrupting each other. There's so much going on <laughs> on the Instagram right now. Big shout outs to, you know, brother Chris, who, you know, took some fantabulous photos of the dynamic duo themselves, you know, me and Tatiana. And, you know, that's popping on Instagram. But, uh, mm, man, you know, like. Something happened this week. Something real, real big. You know, your boy DJ Ben, I mean, myself, you know, I had to say my name in the third person, got to meet the one and only King Snipes, Mr. Wesley Snipes himself. Yeah, I was so like, I can't say I was shocked because we've been pushing for this and putting this out and this energy into the world for so long. And all of you listeners and everyone who supports Fanbros have been saying it. People on Twitter, almost every week I see tweets directly to Wesley Snipes saying, yo, when you coming on Fanbros show? And remember, I told y'all, please keep, you know, press him, make sure he gets on this show. And Lord, if it didn't work... <laughs> Because Ben got the ill photo with Wesley Snipes. I know he picked up his book, Talent of, is it Talent of God? Yes, Talent of God, his new book. Yeah. That he wrote, which is, you know, he co-wrote it, of course, but it's him and another brother. You know, they both wrote the book together and it's an adventure book, you know, like a fictional novel about a hero who is fighting an apocalyptic end of the world type situation. I think it takes place in Chicago and, um... You know, it looks good. I haven't got into it yet. But, yeah, I got to speak to Wesley Snipes. And it's so crazy. Like Tatiana said, we've been putting this out into the universe. And it's something that I want to talk about real quick. Because like, we always talk about our mind and using your mind and what you put out into the universe will come back to you. But I said that this year we were going to get Wesley Snipes on the show. And boom, it happened. And there's been a lot of things I've been saying this year. Yo, this going to happen. This going to happen. And I can't even talk about all the things that are happening right now with, with us. But I just want to always tell people, you know, remember that. Like, like, it might not come true instantly and it might not happen, you know, when you want it. But when you put things out into the universe, they will come back to you. Like, if you say, yo, this is going to happen, it's going to happen. Like, you know, this, like I said last week, the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell is the way we create our life and the way we create our universe. Mm. So just always remember that your word is powerful. What you put out into the world will come back to you. And if you just want something, say it like, yo, I'm going to do this. 
you know, and then things will start to conspire to help you do that. But first you got to do that and you got to step out. Like, you know, I had to go out. I was like, yo, Wesley been dodging us on Twitter and stuff. You know, <laughs> he want to woo, woo, woo. But, you know, but he's Wesley Snipes. You know, he can do that. So, you know, I went up, talked to the brother. He was cool as hell. Yo, it was so dope. He was like, yo, thank y'all for the work y'all been doing. You know, I love what y'all are doing over there. And I'd love to do the show. So we'll see Wesley on here soon in the spaceship. Yay. I can't wait. Like, yo, just thinking about it since, you know, he said he'll do it. I've been just like, yo, you know, white men can't jump. <laughs> city. Um, Mo better blues. I mean, demolition man. I mean, are we gonna Blade. ask him? Are we gonna ask Wesley Snipes his favorite Wesley Snipes film? We damn sure <laughs> are going to ask Wesley Snipes what is your favorite Wesley Snipes movie? Like, I cannot wait for that moment. Like, oh man, somebody said we should ask him what's his favorite Bokeem Woodbine movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be uh, hard pressed to answer that one. I'd be like, um, but I know actually Bokeem has been killing it in Fargo. I know that I haven't watched he's it. He's been but killing it he everything he does. He damn sure has. And that's crazy because Bokeem used to be, you know, Bokeem Woodbine. Like, look, strapped. You saw strapped. All right. Um, what else we got? Oh, yo, shout out to Girls Trip. Yes. One million plus. Yes. And which makes it the highest grossing live action comedy in 2017. Boom. Like, and I saw that movie uh, last month, actually. It was so funny. I, I had the greatest time watching it. And it and, and it just goes to show you all this yaya, these studios and all these corporations and production houses talking about. When they say, oh, you know, um, no one wants to see diversity in film or all oh, the people of color or the black people or black film this. And this is all bullshit, OK? Because when I say that this film blew everybody else out the water and continues to do an amazing job. And in addition, let me take this time to mention this. Someone else mentioned this on Twitter, and it's actually just an extension of what I've always thought. Stop comparing these movies to, or quote unquote, black movies to white movies. First of all, I don't think there's any such thing as black movie or white movie, but mm -hmm. I use that to make the illustration of when people were comparing Girls Trip to Rough Night. First of all, regardless of whether or not it's similar in tone or whatever you want to call it, these are two different things. One, number two, there is no reason why you have to make that comparison. Compare Girls Trip as a comedy movie. If you want to make, if you want to draw um, some type of, of of comparison between something, just talk about how it's a comedy. Talk about the different types of elements that it uses. You can talk about the people who are in the movie. But I really don't like that whole, oh, it's the black, um, what's the other, oh, it's the black hangover. It's the black this, it's like that. This, stop doing ah, that. Okay, okay. Stop doing that. I understand your point from that side of it, but I do like the comparison when people made the comparison that Rough Night, I couldn't remember the name till you said it, but I remember that, you know, the I Rough Night made no money. Yes. Made, there we go. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. The fact that Scarlett Johansson, you know, supposedly bid name can open anything, miss, you know, culture appropriation herself can do all these things and make all this money whenever she does a movie that joint flopped out of the world while girls trip <laughs> you know popped with you know people who aren't considered you know big name stars and so that's the comparison that i like to see because people have to understand like fanbro show we were saying we we're talking about this on twitter it's like you know people always want to say it exceeded expectations mm. 
But that alone—that's annoying. That's really yeah. annoying, and I think it's kind. Of, I mean, it just—it's just more indicative of the industry, Hollywood, and that whole place about how they how they look at people of color. And oh, that's surprising! It made all this money. What the hell are you talking about? It's 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 well written, well acted, well directed, and it's actually good. Rough night flop because it's a horrible ass movie. Mm-hmm. So say it. Say it. Yep. Like I said, please, I just would really hope that everyone like make a point to not say, oh, that's the black version of some other movie. Like, stop doing that. Girl's mm. trip is girl's trip. It made buku money. Let it be. Mm. All right. You know, I don't think much need, more needs to be said about that. Other than that, also, at the same time, Wonder Woman is quietly kept continuing to make money and becoming one of the biggest hits of the year. So once again, you have women just running it. And sadly, I also got to make this note that Hollywood is still not recognizing this. Like people, I still see people trying to detract from Wonder Woman, still see people attacking it for little nonsense things. You know, it's oh, it's overhyped. Uh, oh, this. Uh, uh, uh. And yet all we have since then is uh, Black and Sable, whatever the name of the movie is with Black Cat and Silver Sable, which, you know, is dope. But uh, OK, we got Captain Marvel. Which we got to yep. talk about in a second, but uh, Captain Marvel had been announced. Um, Tatiana, can you help me out? Have you heard of any other uh, women-led superhero films being? Oh wait, uh, Birds of Prey, I think, but that had been announced. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that pregnant pause there. Shouts to Jay Z right there because, <laughs> um, yeah, because that's about yeah, that's about right right there, and that's what I you know just there, I, there's nothing more needed to be said really. You know, we got to get into some other stuff, but. That's all that I have to say. It's like whenever you talk about if these movies been overhyped, you know, well, well, you know, they exceeded expectations. You know, oh, my God, we can't believe Wonder Woman. What? Like, you know, women are 51 percent of the population. How do you not believe that? Listen, listen. I got nothing else to say. You said it all, Ben, I mean. Yeah, it is definitely getting hot in here. But before we go, you know, we got another dope interview right here. Yet more fire from the fan bros show. You know, Mm -hmm. HBO, you know, everybody talking about that nonsense they doing, you know, and we going to talk about that a little much more later. But they are doing some dope stuff coming up and they have an amazing series coming based on the book Lovecraft Country written by Matt Ruff. The show is going to be produced by Jordan Peele, but the book, Matt Ruff, he wrote it. He set the whole thing off. And guess who's going to be on the show right after this break? Boom. Shaka-laka. Everything in Shaka. Hey, everyone. This is Carla Perez. I play Rita Repulsa on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers back in the 90s. Hey, what's up? This is Samus. This is Nikki Phillips. And this is Stacey Strobel. Yo, this is Carly Hustle. Hey, what's up? This is Jamila from Girl Gone Geek. Hi, my name is Roxanne Gay. Hey, this is the Shameless Maya. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Maya G. Hi, this is Reagan Gomez. Oh, hey, this is your friendly neighborhood superhero, Jean Grey. Hi, this is Lola Ganike. My name is Jamie Broadnax from Black Girl Nerds. Hi, guys, it's Alfred Woodard. And when you're not in a lotus position eating quinoa or, like, rapping to your your bae, you should be listening to fanbos. No, I said fanbos. Okay, hang on.
And welcome back, fam bros. I know you've been enjoying this episode, but we are about to get turned up in the spaceship yet again because tonight we have a very, very special guest. I'm so happy to have this brother here in the spaceship tonight. We have Matt Ruff, the author of many thriller, science fiction, and comic novels, but he's known for the bad monkeys, the Mirage, and most notably, Lovecraft Country, which has recently been optioned by the one and only Jordan Peele for a series on HBO. <laughs> I like how Venomine said it like it was a surprise to him. Like, we haven't been talking about this. I, I, I gotta tell you, it was a big surprise to us, too. I mean, I, I you know, the way options work, I mean, Warner Brothers had optioned it a year ago, and the way it works is everybody's all excited when the option gets started and then you don't hear anything for a long time because they've got multiple irons in the fire. And so I only found out about the HBO series order about, um, you know, 24 hours before it was announced publicly. So, yeah, we're still bouncing off the walls a little bit here. I mean, the adrenaline's starting to go down, but, um, yeah, it's it's very exciting and very cool. And I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm... I'm through the moon that both Jordan Peele and Misha Green are going to be working on it. I think they're they're going to do an amazing job. Yeah, that's incredible. I was really, I mean, obviously we were already excited when Jordan was announced, but particularly me, I was especially excited with Misha because um, those are really the top two people right now, or the top two most visible people right now, particularly Misha with Underground. Unfortunately, um, it's it's been let's say, removed from WGN, but it will be placed somewhere else. I know it. It will find a new home. Um, but yeah, the fact still that, lighting yeah. candles for that, too. I, I yeah, think that's a great show. But yeah, what was funny was when, when we first made the deal, Get Out had not happened yet. And, and you know, it's like my CA agent, when he first mentioned this, he's like, yeah, Jordan Peele's interested. And I know he does mostly comedy, but I hear he's thinking of branching out into horror. So you should talk to him. And I'm so sure. And initially, it was like Misha was almost more excited about because with Underground, I, I knew she was doing something kind of like what I was trying to do with Lovecraft Country. And it I knew it was going to be a difficult show to try to pitch to TV because one of the things that's going to come up is they're going to say, well, you, you want to do a show about the horrors of racism and this is going to be weekly. And like, how is that going to be entertaining? Why are people going to tune into that? And I knew that by getting Underground on the air, Misha had already probably had that conversation a few dozen times and she managed to pull it off. Um, but then, of course, Get Out came out and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Jordan's, <laughs> Jordan's really on my wavelength too. So this is, yeah, it's a dream team and I, I could not be happier. Um, and I'm really excited to see what they do with it. We definitely are, but we got to go back a little back. We got to go back to the origins. I just finished the book at, uh, actually today. So I'm really excited about it. Like I loved it. But one thing we have to get out of the way is that you're a white man writing a book <laughs> about the African-American community. And this book deals with racism as well as supernatural and science fiction, which are two things that are not well explored in the African-American community. So what inspired you to write this in the first place? Well, I, I mean, all of my novels, the one thing they have in common, I like telling stories about folks who are different from me. And uh, it it goes back, I guess, to I can blame my parents. My my dad was from the Midwest. Uh, he was a Lutheran minister who became a, a hospital chaplain in Brooklyn. My mother is from South America. She was a missionary's daughter, born in Brazil, grew up in Argentina during the, the Peron years, 
emigrated to the U.S. in her early 20s. So our house was Ellis Island for all the South American relatives. And so you had the North American, South American culture clash. You had the, you know, people always think my dad must have been strict because he was a preacher, but actually dad was a counselor. His job was to listen, not to to talk a lot of the time. So he was more of a, a, a counselor and a, and a helper. It was my mother's people, the missionary people, they like to pick fights and argue and, and win arguments. And so there's that kind of temperamental clash. And then both my parents were Lutheran, but my grandmother who lived with us was a convert to the Mormon church. So very often the first stop when the relatives came up from South America, they put their bags down and grab a Bible and go and try and bring grandma back to the true faith. And, you know, good luck with that. Um <laughs> So I, I, you know, and all of this is in New York City, right in the immediate aftermath of the the civil rights movement. So I, I guess coming from that sort of theological hothouse, multicultural hothouse, I just naturally was always interested in in understanding people whose worldviews were different from mine and were always going to be different from mine. And and I, I found that writing sympathetic portrayals of people who see the world differently than I do or experience different challenges than I do, it, it leads to a richer and a more interesting fiction than if I were just trying to write about folks who are like me. So that's that's sort of the broader answer. And then um, specifically with Lovecraft Country, I, I wanted to do something like The X-Files, um, mm. where you'd have a, a group of a recurring cast of characters who would have weekly paranormal adventures. But again, I wanted to do something a little different than the usual government agency. And I had been reading a book called Sundown Towns by a guy named James Lone, which is about the the history of whites-only communities in America. And one of the things he talks about was the the Green Book, the Negro Motorist Green Book, which was a guidebook that right. told African-American travelers where they could, you know, hotels and restaurants that would accept their business during the Jim Crow era. And I had never heard of that before, and I was kind of fascinated by it, that it sort of hinted at this whole infrastructure that the black community had created during the Jim Crow years to sort of deal with legal segregation. The long-term goal was equality, but in the meantime, people had to live their lives, and they came up with these really clever, often heroic ways of doing it. And so I thought that would be an interesting thing to build a story around. And so I, I came up with the idea of making my Fox Mulder character basically a field researcher for a fictional version of the Green Book. And he'd be driving around the country and, and looking for places that would take him in. And then at the same time, having paranormal adventures. So in the book, the guy Atticus Turner, he's the son of the family. And um, his uncle George Barry owns the travel agency and publishes what I call the Safe Negro Travel Guide. And Atticus, who's just back from fighting in the Korean War, ends up working as a, a field researcher for him. And uh, he and George are also both big nerds. So they're, you know, they're interested in, in science fiction and fantasy. They love that stuff, even though as today, it doesn't always love them back. So when they get drawn into this series of real life weird tales, they're not totally helpless. They kind of know what the rules are. So that was sort of my thing is that, that it, was, it was a way of explaining why are these characters encountering monsters every week? And, and the answer was, well, because they're black in America. And when you're black in America, there's always going to be a monster. And sometimes it's going to be the the elder gods or the thing under the bed. And sometimes it's going to be, um, you know, the, the Ku Klux Klan or the police or the mm. Chicago real estate board or the registrar of voters. And so it's a way of exploring both 
paranormal horror and the the horrors of race in America. And as soon as I thought about that, I thought it would be a really interesting thing to do and a really interesting thing to 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 try. Um, and yes, I'm white, and yeah, <laughs> I, I I knew that would probably come up. Um, but my one of the other things that draws me to novel ideas, if I think of an idea and I think to myself, if this works, it will be really good. And if it doesn't, I will be horribly, horribly embarrassed. That's usually a good sign. That was my reaction when I thought of this. It's like, yeah, if I do this right, it's going to be a really great story. And if if I screw it up, I'm never going to hear the end of it. And to me, that's, that's a sign I'm on the right track. And uh, I had a lot of time to, to try and get it right. So I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And um, but one thing about the book is it really doesn't shy away from the racism of America, like the history <coughs> of racism in America and how that affects us today, even. But even especially during that time, and you know, certain words are just thrown around rather freely in the book, like the <laughs> the characters use the N word. And lately, there's been a controversy. I mean, there's always this controversy, but there's been a controversy lately about white people using the N-word. So do you feel that... Let's be specific, too. Bill Maher and Jay Moore. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case y'all you didn't know. <laughs> I didn't want to say call a spade a spade, because that's really not apt at this point. But, um, yeah, so do you feel it's needed when you're writing fiction, fictional tales, especially, about this I, time? I, I think it's like any other kind of profanity where I... I don't want to just use it for shock effect. And I know that it, it will throw certain people out of the story. It's not even about me being white. It's just about if you're going to horribly offend your reader for no purpose, then you don't want to do that. But mm. there were there were parts of the story I couldn't have told without doing that. And it's, again, it's kind of hard to talk about without using the word, but it's just it wasn't just a racial epithet that people said to your face back then. It was in place names. It was in some product names. It was in euphemisms. And part of, you know, one of the subtexts in the book is that if you're black, you don't get to control what stuff is called a lot of the time. And so I actually don't use the word nearly as much as, say, Quentin Tarantino would. It comes up probably, <laughs> you know, I'm half not, a dozen. I love that we're name dropping. This is great. <laughs> And, and I actually, I love Quentin Tarantino's movies, but I, I, but I'm just, you know, in, in Lovecraft, I probably only use it about a half dozen times. And I think it, I could have used it a lot more, but I use it when I needed to. And it, it, I think it, it makes a point. And in the same way that, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to curse just for the sake of cursing. I'm not going to use a racial epithet just for the sake of doing it. But it, it really was a part of the story that you, you, I felt I needed so, and uh, not everyone will agree with that, and and you know that's that's cool if you disagree, but that that was my that was my feeling. Um, no, I definitely felt like it was needed, and it's funny that you mentioned Tarantino because I'm a huge fan of his too. But at the same time, a lot of times, especially more lately, I felt like he's just drawn, like he just says it to say it, like he just enjoys saying it. And so it, it's kind of this weird feeling. And I didn't get that from Lovecraft because from this book, I really felt it. Like I felt like the characters, you know, I could relate to them. I understood the struggle. I understood what they were going through. And what you said was uh, particularly poignant about that them not being a name things because there's that one scene when Horace sees the watermelon babies. That's I mean, the, that's the, that is wow. like, yeah, I, you can't do that <laughs> scene without using the word. It's like, wow. you can't really describe it without exactly. And, and so I, I, I wasn't going to cut that. And, and Ooh, I, you know, you I that's, that. you know, that, that was just too important to the story I had to tell. And it's, it's, 
it's also too just you know when you leave the confines of the safety of your neighborhood and you're traveling cross country if you hear that word you know okay my day just got really bad and now it's like <laughs> my choices are do i you know do I ignore it and, you know, feel embarrassed and ashamed that I didn't speak up for myself? Or do I stand up for myself and risk getting killed or end up in jail? And that, too, is a part of the story. And again, I don't want to you don't want to just say it and, and go crazy. And there is this thing when you, you know, as a as a, a writer where it's fun to be able to just do stuff because you can. And I've but I've I've gotten old enough now that I've I've gotten past the sort of the youthful desire to just do stuff to be shocking for its own sake. And I, I wanted to have a, a point and a purpose. And. Yeah, and I think it's important that we're talking about this specifically, especially the part where we just mentioned Tarantino and loving his work, but then also having problems with him. And there's uh, several points or several conversations in the book where the characters themselves, almost like a fourth wall breaking, where they have the conversation saying, how do you, in some certain terms, separate the creation from the creator, particularly when the creator is problematic, to use that, you know, repetitive phrase, but... Yeah, I hate, that. I hate that word. It's so not specific. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Yeah, it, it, we talk about, we actually had a whole episode where we talked about how much we hate the word, but it's, it's fitting in this context. So, I, you know, just the fact that that's something that's often discussed throughout many different things, just like there's people who have, um, you know, using people like Bill Cosby, for instance, there's people who say, well, his work was more important than who this guy is. So, you know, what is your take on that? I, I kind of agree with the separation of the, the artist from the art. I mean, and, and like in the case of Lovecraft, who comes up, that there's the specific character that they're talking about, I think, early in the novel. It, he's dead, so it, it doesn't really matter one way or another what I think of him to him personally. I can't, you know, I can't save him. I can't <laughs> condemn him. Um, so it's just a question of what can I get from his work if there's if there's, if there's still something there that I like. And I, I tend to I tend to be more about, you know, if there's something I can get from the work, I'm not too worried about the the, the state of the artist's soul. Um, but it's also a little different for me because I'm not the guy being insulted with uh, racist fiction. I'm not the target. So I, I know my reaction could be a little different from... I mean, the, in the context of the novel, I, part of the problem that Atticus's father and his, his uncle are both from Tulsa, Oklahoma. They're both survivors of the, the Tulsa race riot of 1921, which it was this horrible incident where... Basically, white Tulsa declared war on black Tulsa. They invaded, like 2,000 armed men invaded the, the black neighborhood of Greenwood, um, which was one of the wealthiest black communities in America at that time, and, and basically burned it to the ground and killed somewhere between 150 and 300 people. And so they're, you know, they're coming from that. And then, you know, especially Atticus's father, his, his, his Atticus's grandfather, Atticus's father's father is murdered during the, the riot. So now... You know, his, his dad's grown up and his son is a fan of this white science fiction crap. And, you know, what's he reading? He's reading John Carter of Mars, where the hero is a, you know, is a former Confederate captain. He's reading Tarzan, you know, he's reading H.P. Lovecraft. And it's just, you can imagine, you know, your father is murdered by white racists and, and, you know, your son is reading this stuff and you're like... It's it's very difficult for him to to deal with that. Um, another one that pops up. I mean, the the really they really get a lot of shine is the fact that these characters, the heroes of the story, are all like blurs in their various stages of development. Like Atticus is like the slightly older one, while Horace is the very young one, and you know even the women. Everyone in the story has some degree of nerddom in it in them. So was this something you were aware of, like the subculture yeah. of blurred them, or did you come aware of it when you started writing the book? 
No, I, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd known a lot of black <laughs> nerds in my life and I knew that they existed back in the 1950s, but I, I didn't, it wasn't sort of, that wasn't sort of specifically trying to, to make a statement about anything. It just sort of naturally came about. I mean, I had Atticus and his, his uncle, obviously, but then, and he's got a cousin Horace who basically wants to be, he's a budding comic book artist and he wants to be kind of Stan Lee when he grows up. And everybody to a certain degree, obviously, is sort of, got to figure out the, the, the supernatural stuff that they're dealing with. Um, no, that was, that was just sort of, it just sort of happened. I think the part of that was just, it, these are intelligent people caught in extraordinary situations and sort of, if you're not already a nerd, you kind of got to become one to figure your way out of it. But they're all, they're all related too. they've all. So, um, like Atticus's aunt Hippolyta, she may not be a comic book fan herself, but her son is a comic book fan. So, She's going to naturally pick it up from him and encouraging him to to do his thing. And you know, Letitia, we, we we hear that when she was younger, she was a member of the Southside Futurist Society. You know, she was the only girl in the club, and uh, that that probably wasn't a whole lot of fun. But she's so she's picked up a little from that. But everybody's just part of it. It's just you've got to figure this stuff out if you're going to be dealing with ghosts and wizards and other other things. So it, just, it comes um, to the territory. It's yeah. funny though. It's like it's kind of like a take on our current political situation because you have this family of super smart, you know, black people, and then they're, you know, being attacked <laughs> and replaced in, you know, our case by this, you know, fairly not so smart white dude who who uses <laughs> racial prejudice but probably doesn't really believe in it. You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of levels to your book here. What's what's funny though is that yeah I I mean I I I finished writing the book a while ago so now this is like yeah I Trump was sort of the he came after I was done and I'm I'm kind of horrified that 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 to the extent with which reality yeah. is reflected in the book I'm just like no <laughs> so. what have you done Matt <laughs> you do have power interdimensional powers apparently. <laughs> What are you most excited about seeing from the book? Like, what scene do you most want to see? Because me personally, not to give anything away, but I want to see Stilla. Like, I need to see that whole, you know, that whole episode <laughs> uh, right there. So what what are you most excited? Yeah, Hippolyta's story was one of my favorites in the in the novel and and it was interesting too one of the one of the reasons that my the novel was sort of pushing the limits of the the i had this was one of the first novels i did where i actually had a hard limit as to how long it could be before that i could pretty much make the books as long as as they needed to be and this one it was like 125,000 words was sort of my limit so i was trying to it, it was good it made me keep everything tight but i was worried that they were going to want to you know that i if, if it went over in length i was going to have to trim something back and I, I can't imagine the book without Hippolyta's story, but in terms of everything else, it was it was the story. If you were going to be ruthless and cut something out, that was probably the one you'd go after. So, in writing it, I felt like I had to make it so good that you couldn't get rid of it. And so, I spent a lot of time on that. And I'm yeah, I I want to see what they do with that. And part of it, I want to see when you're writing a novel, you you can do a lot of of stuff in in backstory and and. With every one of the characters, there's a lot of history that goes into making them who they are. And it's actually a fair amount of adaptation and translation work to make that work in a visual medium like television. So I'm kind of curious how they're going to do, you know, the story of how Hippolyta fell in love with astronomy and the the other backstories like Horace's trip to the junkyard as a little kid when he saw that that crate we talked about um like how they're going to incorporate that into specific episodes and 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 make it flow 
Um, so that, that stuff I'm looking forward to seeing. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to pick a specific scene that I'm dying to see. I want to see all of it. I want to see what they do mm-hmm. and what, what stays and what they do differently and what they do better. And, you know, so it'll be, it'll be, so this is going to be a pleasure. I've, I've never had anything of mine adapted to a visual medium before. So I really psyched and yeah, talk about really starting out with a golden ticket. So yeah, for real, everyone out there, you should definitely check this book out. It's definitely getting the fan show recommendation of approval. I, like I said, I finished it earlier today. Absolutely. I loved it. I can't wait well, to see the guys. series and all right, you have now survived the interview segment of Fanbro's show, but it's time for the brat segment, our rapid-fire questions. So are you ready? Okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I was not warned about this part. Okay, let's go. Yes. Just the way we like it. Yes, sir. Okay, sir. okay so right away, uh, Luke Cage or Black Panther? Mm, okay. Black Panther. The Wire or Breaking Bad? Ooh, tough one. Depends what mood I'm in. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go with that one. Sorry, guys. They're both so good in different ways, though. But okay. yeah. All right. Uh, Magneto or Professor X? Magneto. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Lex Luthor or Doctor Doom? Wow. Uh, no real <laughs> preference. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a good wow. version of either of them. I mean, I, I suppose Lex Luthor's had slightly better versions than the, the horrible Dr. Jim I saw. So not even not even the, the Superman series on the WB that came on in, what, the 90s? Late 90s. Uh, I, I missed that one. I, I, Smallville? That's, that's the best interpret to me, the best interpretation mm-hmm. of Lex. Yeah, let's go with Lex Luthor. That's true. The only, the only Dr. Doom I've seen is the, the really, really horrible uh, Fantastic Four oh. movie where he... he even, uh, C- even the CGI yeah, wasn't, no. yeah. The less said, the better on that. Jesus. You're right. Lex, Lex Luthor. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was, <laughs> that's obvious. <laughs> the one where the doctor from Nip Tuck wow. played him, right? Yeah. Oh, God. Yep, that's it. All right, <laughs> Superman or Batman? Got to go with Batman. Star Wars or Star Trek? All Star Wars. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> A, a, a little horror. Michael Myers, Freddy, or Jason? Uh, Michael okay. Myers. Your favorite Wesley Snipes movie? Blade 2, mm. actually. I gotta say. A classic. Okay. In any medium, book, comic book, film, TV, what character's death struck you the worst? I really liked Ripley's death scene in Alien 3. It didn't break my heart, but it was just satisfying ending. And I actually like that Alien 3 mm-hmm. better than most people do. It's not a great movie, but it, it kind of works in its own demented way. And uh, probably the Darth Vader death scene back in the day when I was younger. I don't know if it would still work for me, but back then I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> no, it, it still hurts. And you kind of and you kind of overlook the fact that he's like he's killed billions of people, but you're still <laughs> yeah. kind of sad that he's gone. That yeah, that was that's one of those things. You look, you get a little older, and you think about it, and you're like, wait a this minute, this guy's a scumbag. He's nice. He's nice to his. He's nice to his kid for like the last thirty minutes, and then seconds, well, sort of yeah. for the last thirty seconds, and then oh, all is forgiven. You get to go to heaven now. So yeah. Okay, comic books or hip hop? One has to go forever. The entirety of that genre is gone. Which one do you choose? Well, that's not personal, but I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to get rid of hip hop just because comic books, I've, I've got more background in that, but I, 
I don't know. A lot of people would be really mad at me. It's like it's not a knock on hip hop. It's just comic books I've I've known more in depth. All right, mm-hmm. and finally, that's definite. That's definitely <laughs> triage, though. <laughs> All right. If you could have any one superpower, what would it be? Their the their immortality has always appealed to me. I, I maybe the maybe the Superman aspect mm. where he doesn't die, or can only be killed by one thing. I'd like to stick around and just see how things turn out, you know? So we talking about, like, not aging type of thing? Vampire type Prob- Probably not aging would, would be better. Now, now, that I'm, now that I'm getting old enough to know that, that really getting old is not going to be a whole lot of fun, yeah, being, being – I wouldn't want to be like the, the, the ex-lovers in The Hunger. Um, yeah, no. So, yeah, probably, probably eternal, eternal – it doesn't have to be youth, but eternal, like, <laughs> middle age would be good. Internal adulthood. That's hilarious. All right, that sounds good. All right, well, thank you for joining us tonight. And please let the fan bros out there know where they can find you at. Um, yeah, you can you can find my website is uh, www.bymattruff.com. That's B-Y-M-A-T-T-R-U-F-F.com. And, um, and if you forget, just do a web search for author Matt Ruff on Google and you'll find me. And um, thanks so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. And fan bros, we're going to take a quick break right here, and we'll be right back with more from the show. Universal FanCon is a brand new convention coming to the Baltimore Convention Center in April of 2018. FanCon will be a round-the-clock event featuring comics, cosplay, gaming, celebrity guests, music, and more with a focus on diversity and inclusion. Get your tickets now at UniversalFanCon.com because geek is universal. And welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that dope-ass interview with Matt Ruff. Shout-outs to him. I really cannot wait to see this, y'all. Like I said, I read the book, and the book is so ill. Go pick up a copy if you haven't yet, because it is an ill-ass novel. like, And it's trying to translate so well to the screen. That's what's so crazy, because it's already got all these little stories that'll just make one dope-ass episode each. Yeah. And then they can just keep going from there. Like, they can have as many episodes as they want. So, you know, I'm hyped for it. And I have complete faith in Misha Green. So I know it's going to translate very well. There we go. And we already know Jordan Peele. Like, I I didn't have the faith that I have in that man now before I saw Get Out. You know, I didn't know. (laughs) Oh, so you weren't a a Key and Peele guy? No, like, I liked them, but I wasn't, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a David Chappelle, you know, so it was like, it was... I get it, I but know. they. I know they they did their own twist. I know, I know, but well, not even a twist on Dave Chow. They were their own thing, and yeah. we'll get into that later. But the point being is, we're very excited for Lovecraft Country. Yes, yes, because you know, after Get Out, I'll go back and watch T and Peel now. You know, I'll even do that because your yeah. stuff is brilliant, really. All right, well, you know, I mean, I I definitely accept it because Get Out is damn sure brilliant. You know, <laughs> like there's no denying that. And you know what else is always brilliant every week on Fan Bros Show? The Guac is extra. Yep, yep. And what do we have tonight, Tatiana? First up is from Negus Obscura. They have two questions, actually. They write, any theories on why Captain Marvel would take place in the 90s? Here's my theory, because the 90s makes money. Mm. Right now, it's a big trend across the board, whether you're talking about fashion, entertainment, 
socially. It's just a big area that that's that's popular right now. So I think that they and, and it's not going to die down anytime soon. Typically, when every these decades come back, they last for what at least five years or so. Mm-hmm. So I think that they want to capitalize on the '90s, but also I think that that's going to dictate the tone or rather they, they want the tone in the movie to be that kind of 90s vibe. Mm. I'm thinking like that and, and not specifically this thing, but I'm thinking that, um, what is it, Saved by the Bell slash Zach Morris slash early Simpsons type of thing because mm. they know that they can make it really fun. So that's why I think they're doing it in the 90s. All right, well, I think that they're doing it in the 90s is because one, like you said, there's the 90s vibe, but I'm also thinking more of the 90s comic book vibe that they really haven't mm. explored, you know, especially in the Marvel Universe. The latest X-Men tried to do it for a second, but they really didn't get into it. Like the whole just outrageousness of the costumes and everybody just over the top, everything just super big and out there. And they've also said that Captain Marvel will be the like, most powerful of mm. all the Marvel heroes so far. And that's interesting because in the books... But I, is she? Yeah, I was thinking about it. The only person that I would say in the universe of the movies so far that is on her level is Thor. She'd handle right, Iron in Man. The, right in the movies, but in the books, is she really... No, no, there's the other people, of course. No. I mean, in the books, there's yeah. so many people who haven't... Like, this, the second Captain Marvel is arguably more powerful. Monica Rambeau is arguably more powerful. She's one of the most powerful like she's so damn powerful that they write her out of the books a lot because she just can't you know she just changes the game so it's like but as far as the movies yeah this chapter marvel would pretty much whoop everybody's ass who's been introduced so far and i think that's a good point you make ben about the fact that they're going to be using the they were going into an area that they haven't really shown on film like uh, in the MCU anyway, in terms yep. of like the costuming and things like that, because mm-hmm. that's a new creative area for them to tap. Yep. And that's interesting if at, at least the, the, the characters that they have access to for the MCU, that um, some of the characters that you've seen on screen already, if you see like glimpses of them in their their old or their traditional uniform as opposed to their 2000 plus version. So I think that's a great, a great point you made. But that's also another part of it. Nick Fury will be in Captain Marvel and he will have two eyes. Ah, so is Sam, he going to be white or black? No, Samuel is going oh, to be. Sam. Yeah, Sam is Nick Fury and he's going to have both his eyes in it. Okay, because yeah. I was thinking, I'm thinking like the old David Hasselhoff. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Nick Fury. Yeah, no. And then also, why it's said in the 90s also ties into the second part of the question from Negus is that why do you think, I mean, who do you think is a Stroll in the MCU? And for those who don't know, the Strolls are one of Marvel's oldest, you know, creations. They're an alien race of of shapeshifters. So basically, and there's a huge storyline in Marvel comic books called Secret Invasion, where the scrolls have basically for years been in the Marvel Universe masquerading as humans and as some of the most powerful heroes. So by setting it in the 90s and having the Strolls be the villain, you set up all kind of craziness that you can do. All right, and first of all, Captain Marvel also won't be in Infinity War. Like, she's not going to be right. the first part. But that might be another reason why they haven't revealed the name of the second movie, even though a lot of people say it's Avengers Infinity Gauntlet, is because somehow Captain Marvel is going to get, you know, to the present time. And also, you're going to have these Strolls who are now, who is the Stroll in the Marvel Universe? 
And the introduction of scrolls is going to also mean a lot of opportunity for retcon because they yes. could say someone was there that you haven't seen yet or someone who was supposedly an ally this whole time is actually a scroll. Yep. And there, there's a lot of potential to either, quote unquote, fix or rewrite something that has happened in the like, last 15 years. So mm-hmm. like what if like a Quicksilver was a scroll, the one who got killed uh, and then they can bring him back. Right. Yep. So. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of potential with this. But as far as who do we think is a scroll, do you think that they're going to repeat the whole Captain America scroll uh, story or what? Uh, uh, I mean, he does have a beard now. <laughs> or he will have a beard, but that's, that's no, after the fact. No, this is still before. That, right, that's this, still is, this Infinity is the 90s. War. So that's still, no, Infinity War with the beard is still going to be before Captain Marvel. So Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. So if Captain Marvel's taking place in the 90s, that means... What time period? What time period is like the Avengers and and when Cap woke up? Anyone could be a straw from any of the movies. Everything we've seen takes place well after Captain Marvel in the nineties. So anyone, anything that we've seen so far up to this point, that's what this is a game changer because this is another thing about it is the Chitauri, the aliens who were introduced in the first Marvel and the Avengers were originally supposed to be Strolls, but they couldn't get the rights to them because Fox owns the rights because Strolls first appeared in Fantastic Four. So they've been, you know, working these little deals here and there, and now they got the rights to the Strolls. So this is a game changer for Marvel because the Strolls play a huge role. Like I said, in Secret Evasion, this is a huge storyline. So anyone in anything that we've seen up to this point can be questioned now is what basically is happening. And I think that's huge. But my question was, if Captain Marvel, the movie, is taking place in the 90s, was that before what we see now with the Avengers yes, assembling yes, and all that every, stuff. Yes, before everything. So none of that other than yet. Other than um, Winter Soldier, which play, takes place in 1940, you know, in 1940. I mean, not Winter Soldier, the first Captain America, which takes place in the 1940s. And then when right. he wakes up is well after yeah, what is he, Does he wake up in the 2000s? Yeah, so 2000s, you know, like it's supposed okay. to take place around the same time that it's taking place. Winter Soldier is supposed to take place in 2014. So there isn't going to be a, a Captain America or anything like that. No. It's, no okay. That's, that was my question because oh, okay, I was just yeah. like, I, I was using them as an example. But if we're talking about this actual time period, then like who's actually available? Tony Stark would be very young and this is well before he creates the armor. Um, right. Other than Nick Fury. Like who's available? Like who is actually in... Black Either Widow. in the wind or actually active at this point. Perhaps, not not an Avenger, but active. Perhaps Black Widow. Okay. Yeah. Yep. 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 Perhaps. Um. Not Hulk. Not Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Perhaps. Perhaps they could bring him in if wanted to, but I doubt it. Black uh, Widow, because at certain points, you know, it's been revealed that she has a long ass age. She doesn't age like Nick Fury too. Both of them. So. You know, but I think it'll be probably other new characters we haven't seen yet, because like I said, it's the 90s. You're going to get a chance to see all these, you know, big, outrageous costumes, all that craziness. I'm hyped for it. I was already hyped for Captain Marvel. But this just like once again, yo, Marvel just, you know, they just be dumping on everybody else with these movies, dog. Just dumping on them, man. All right. What else we got? Sorry, are we going to see Rhodey? But anyway, I'm sorry. Next uh, question. No, that's that's a good. You might. I mean, you might. You know, a young Rhodey will be Terrence Howard. Is the question? 
I think you're you're 100 right about Quicksilver. That's going to definitely happen. But um, next know. question is I hope he stays dead. I, I think maybe, but because you threw that in there, I was like, and they knew Quicksilver was a favorite. True. They may yeah they may do something with that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the next question is yeah, from. Yeah, should I let that Terrence Howard line go? All right. Yes, I am. The next question is from I believe it's pronounced the captain. Uh, not Captain of the Spaceship, but I mean, but the other captain. The captain writes, yo, yo, Fambrose, do you think Deadpool will have more of his powers showcased in this sequel? Uh, I had to so, think. Um, I, well, well first let's establish. All, all his <laughs> shown in the first one. So let's establish Deadpool's powers, right? We already know that he has an accelerated healing factor. We also know that he's suffering from kind of a, is it like a form of cancer or so? Yep. Um, which is not really a power, but that, that, that's, that affects everything that's happening. He is more, he's kind of immortal. Um, I know that there are some stories where he's had like a curse placed on him and that he couldn't die. Head chopped uh, off, everything. Right, he could get his head chopped off and he still can regenerate and still live on. He owns, it's not really a power or ability, but he's he's owned some teleportation devices. I know you just uh, educated me that he's, did he steal it or he just have access to it? Cable's uh, ship. I'm not sure, but in the second film, Cable is definitely going to be in it, as we all know. So it seems that you'll probably see, you know, somebody teleport. I'm sure that Cable, because, yeah, Cable has a ship where he can teleport and go through time. So who the hell really knows what's going to happen in Deadpool 2? Because if they really go yeah. into all that. And then, you know, the one other power that Deadpool really has is that he knows he's in a comic book or he knows right. it's in a movie. And He knows he's he's very, he's self-aware. He's like breaking the fourth world in the fourth world. Like, he, yeah. he knows what's happening. So... Yeah. Um, but as far as all that's concerned, I feel like we saw all that already in the original movie. So I'm not sure what other powers we would see, Yep. but maybe besides just more of it. So, uh, that's our question. That's our answer to that question. Mm-hmm. And we have the last one coming from Kimmy geek. Kimmy writes, what's the first video game or computer game that you played? They love the DOS game. Commander Keen son. Commander King was my shit. Me wow. and my brother. And I'm sure we got it way after the fact. And we didn't realize that that has been around for so long. But it's a lot of different sequels to that game. And when I say I love that damn game and played it religiously, that was one of the first uh, PC games I had. I had that. I had Sim SimCity, uh, Sim Tower, like all the original Sim stuff. Um... The Sims, like th- those were the main things I played. And then all as far as first video games, um, uh, SNES, uh, Sega, any pretty much everything on those consoles. That was like my first. Oh, man. Like uh, actually, Kimmy Geek said was the first game that had you hooked. And for the first one that I do, I do not remember Commander King at all. I, I don't uh, remember that. Um, it was it's very kind of deep cut. Yeah. But like I I we play that religiously. All right, well I'm going to give a real deep cut right here because the first computer game that I remember having me completely hooked. Well, okay, there was probably two. There was a GI Joe uh GI Joe game for Commodore that was such crack. Like you could play as Mad Joes and Mad Cobras and it was like a one-on-one battle between you and a friend. So it was silly. You know, they had different maps, mm. different things. You know, each person had their own abilities. You know, like Storm Shadow through Throwing Stars, I think, and Snake Eyes had a gun. You know, I mean, it was it was sick. 
First time, definitely. And then the other one is the game, the super deep cut is Mail Order Monsters, which is this joint for Commodore as well, where you could like, yo, Tatiana, this joint was so... I've never played the Commodore, so I don't know. What is that? It was so crazy. All right, Mail Order Monsters, like, it was this joint where you could get like... It was, once again, you and a friend battling, and it started off where it was like, you know, you hit the monster, like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, and then you could add different things to him. Like, you could add him having, like, laser beam eyes or, like, an electric tail and all these different little weapons and, you know, upgrades and stuff. And then, you know, there were mad different monsters, and you each picked one, and you built them up, and then you could battle each other. And it was so ill because it started off along, like, a bid map, Whereas, like, you would see, you know, like, the overhead terrain or whatever, and then you would try and find each other on that. And when you found each other on that, it would zoom in, and you'd battle, like, on a screen where it's just you and the other dude fighting each other out with your monsters. And they had ill weapons, like a gravity gun. And, I mean, just, yo, it was silly for its time. Like, look it up on YouTube. A gravity gun? That's, like, some Halo shit. Yo, and and you could hit people and move them to another area, so that way you could hit them with something else. You know, it was, like, things like that like it was a crazy complex game like when you were on the bid screen if you had built up enough points you could nuke the other person before they even got to you on the main screen like just throw you off (laughs) (laughs) like mail damn you didn't have a chance yo this joint is so crazy like you know shout outs to the grime that's you know one of my best friends we grew up all day me him and his little brother just killing this joint like Google it. Right. It's out there on Google. You'll see it. It's crazy. Thank you for that question because you brought back mad. Well, let me let me modify because I missed that question hooked. Yep. And it's very it's very difficult because I've played so many different systems. True. So I'm gonna do it like this. So for Nintendo, hooked was Mario Mario Three. Mm. That was the first thing mm. I oh, got. Wait, right, wait, uh, wait, hold on. Let me get my mind for Nintendo. Yeah. Let's do it that way. Yeah. Ooh. And let's, I guess, the earliest Nintendo system you played. So I would say Mario 3. Yeah, Mario 3 was pretty crack. That was the raccoon tail, right? Yup. All right, okay. I'm, I'll go with that. Yeah, because that was crack. Okay. And, and Metroid. Course. Metroid. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't play that for, until like years later. Uh, for <laughs> Sega Genesis, it would be Sonic. Altered Sonic Beast. and Knuckles specifically. Altered Beast. Alter Beast, wow, yeah. Yeah. very good. Um, and then Super was there Nintendo. another? Oh, oh, no, no, well, PlayStation. No, the one with whatever the Nintendo that had Street Fighter on. Well, I'm, well, I mean the earliest. Well, well, then even if, even see, I can't even say that. I was going to say the earliest version of that system that you played because yep. there was one before. Yep. Um, and yeah, so. Yeah, but I'm just but saying for, for me, the Street Fighter joint when that came oh, okay. out. Yep. Um, and then for PlayStation, like the original PlayStation. Oh, it's probably Tekken. Yeah, I would say Tekken or what was it, Virtual Fighter, I think they had on there. And also... Oh, Virtual... I've only played Virtual Fighter in arcades, never yeah. on console. Also, um, probably Tekken then. And uh, yeah, it was probably Tekken. And Resident Evil. I actually liked that one a lot. That's when I first saw PlayStation Resident Evil. I've always stayed away from those games. Yeah, but, I you know, for, but that for one, me, it would have been Tekken or Metal Gear. Yep. Ooh, Okay. Uh, yeah. For Super Nintendo, it's definitely GoldenEye. Or Nintendo 64, it is GoldenEye. GoldenEye. Like, oh. <laughs> GoldenEye. Yes. We could go, honestly, we could be at, be here all day. But for, for the answer, I'm going to say Star Fox. And I'm still obsessed with Star Fox to this day. 
Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, but that being said, like I said, we can go through this all day long. Yep. But if you have more questions for us in the Guacus Extra, hit us up, contact at fanbros.com. You can email us. Or if you want to holler at us on the Twitters, you can do that. You can also hit us up on IG. Let us know your question. Yeah, all right. For real. And those are definitely some great questions. Go look up Mail Order Monsters and change your life. It's on YouTube. I think you even talked down there. You'll better, probably better see some video of it there. And like I said, you know, before we're talking about uh, Lovecraft Country, where HBO is doing good things, but they have doubled down on their nonsense and came um, out and defended ugh. Confederacy, Confederate, whatever the name of this nonsense is. Confederate. The line that killed me in their defense is because they said the creators, you know, are at the top of their game. They can write anything they want. And this won't have, you know, whips and chains in it. This is a modern day imagining of what slavery would look like. And I just wanted to say it like we said before. We're already here. If you want fam. a modern day imagining of slavery, look out your fucking window. We're here already, fam. Yeah. And there's and 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 I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. It's what they mentioned about the fact that they said they they want to highlight the correlation between the show's presence and current day United States. You do not need uh, show to show that. Like, you don't need to create, write, direct, whatever, a uh, whole fictional series about that to show the correlation between that. You can, as you said, you can look out your window. You can go on Twitter. You can talk to your family. You can talk to anybody. You can watch the news. You're seeing it right then and there. There's no reason to have a fictionalized version of that. I hate, and and, and a lot of people have already made these, um, made these, more assumptions like why do why are there always shows like this where they want to say oh well what happened if the nazis won what happened if slavery continued or what happens if so-and-so didn't make it or whatever the case is why don't we ever go the opposite direction like why is there not what if white supremacy never spread across the globe because the object of most media, and it's funny, I was having a discussion with some people on Facebook the other day, and they were telling me how that, uh, what's the, George Romero, God bless the dead, that his original film was not about white supremacy. His original Night of the Living Dead wasn't about white supremacy. And for those who don't know, the lead actor in white supremacy is a black character. He survives the zombie apocalypse. And then the next morning, a bunch of rednecks roll up in a truck and shoot him when he comes out the door because they think he's a zombie or whatever. They're defending the white people inside the house that he saved. And, you know, the movie is also about Vietnam and the fear of the other which is also white supremacy. So it's like, no matter how you look at it, this movie and most media, as I was explaining to him, is about white supremacy. That's the messed up thing. I was riding a train the other day and I see the sign for, it's some like show, it's like inside the actor's studio or whatever, but it was a different show okay. with a woman on it. And mm-hmm. she, it's like, go inside the look of film, you know, talk more than just film. We talk, and everyone that they had shown, it was Al Pacino, Emma Stone, uh, Michael Keaton, Someone else, someone else, white. <laughs> Everyone, white. And it's like, no Denzel, no, you got Emma Stone and you don't have like Angela, you know, like. I know, I know. I, I was just sitting there and it's like, that's what when people try and argue me about white supremacy and stuff and how it like, oh no, that's not about white. It's like, dog, everything is about white supremacy. Most of the times I just ignore it because I don't have time to sit there and always point it out. 
But when, you know, it's like when a film like Spider-Man Homecoming comes out and the cast is just diverse and no one made some mention of it, that's one of the rare times that you're starting to see a pushback. Because it's like, okay, this is just how real life is. But everything else is like where it's this whitewashed world to always make you think of white as the norm. And that's not the case. But people, it becomes such a natural thing to people that we don't look at it like that and we ignore it. And then we manage to fucking ignore it in a case like Night of the Living Dead, which is clearly about white supremacy. And then there's one more thing that I want to say to this because people Mm -hmm. always think because if it's not black and white, it's not about white supremacy. And people want to always argue, yo, why there ain't no more black characters? But every black person out there who's listening, I want you to stop and think, you know, okay, Okay, you're mad about there not being black superheroes. Where are the Latin ones? I want you to name one. Hmm. Where are the Asian ones? I want you to name one. How many Native Americans do you even know in real life? Hmm. So it's like, there, you know, white supremacy affects everyone. That's the first of it. And so to sit there and just, be, you know, be mad about it for yourself, that's one problem. But the other problem is to act like it doesn't exist is insane because it's a constant. And it is such a craziness on the brain that we have to deal with in our life. And I guess to become such a, you know, pain on the brain is that we just ignore it. But... You know, wow. you can't really. So, like, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I've been so sick. And I mean, you know me, Tatiana. I'm always yeah. sick of the nonsense. But Lord have mercy, especially all that, you know, where it's, oh, my God, it didn't happen to black people. It can't be about, you know, like the dude was like, no, this movie's about Vietnam. It's not about white supremacy. What the <laughs> fuck was Vietnam the war started for? Like, what the fuck are you talking to me about? You know how many Vietnamese lost their lives in that war? Like, what? Listen. Why? Listen, this is why we have Fanbro Show. I mean, because (laughs) we have to have spaces where we talk about this stuff and we call people out on the bullshit. And also we try to figure out ways to get passes and get around it. And Mm -hmm. and and really, it's about uplifting the people who are trying to do the real. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like we're we're not for the the Confederate bullshit and all that other stuff. So it is what it is. It is what it is. Definitely is what it is. And, you know, speaking of Tatiana, I guess it's time for Tech Talk with Tatiana. So this week in tech news, Ben, I mean, I think you we might be in the wrong line of work. Mm. I think we may need to go pro. And by pro, I mean pro in esports because the Overwatch League Pro League, uh, their players are going to earn at least 50K a year and get health insurance. Well, I'm trash. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say you got to be, but, 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 but please believe you can't be trash if you're going to go pro, if you're going to go esports pro, because no. esports pro, they will mop the floor with you floor. in 0.5 seconds. Yes. Like you got to be ready. Yep. But this also just dives more deeply into a lot of the topics that we've covered on fanbros.com. In fact, there's a, there's another article that's up this week about esports and um, being, being a person of color in esports, mm. but we've, had since talked about esports many times and the fact that it is a real career slash job, whatever you want to call it, and people are making bank off of it. Like mm-hmm. if you watch any of the tournaments, if you watch stuff like Evo and all that stuff, it is not only just a big deal, but there's big money involved. Mm-hmm. So if you are a gamer and you are particularly an obsessive gamer and you're a particularly really good gamer, you definitely, and you haven't already, you definitely want to seriously look into the esports space because you can 
really create your your life out of nothing if you go in that direction. Mm-hmm. And if you are one of those really good gamers and a person of color, you need to holler at us. You know, contact at fanbros.com because, you know, speaking yes. of gaming, there's a little something coming on a little station, a little channel known as Twitch. You know, you might need to head over to twitch.tv well. and subscribe to Fanbros Show. Yeah, because there is a little something special coming on there. Like I said before, twitch.tv slash fanbros show. Gonna be a lot coming. You know, you can catch me, you know, by the time you hear this Doom Fist will be dropping on Overwatch and I'll be on there serving people before the art show. So if you want to come get some, you know, come get some. <laughs> and something that nobody is getting. Oh uh, yeah. Sorry y'all that thought y'all was doing it when y'all was ordering those SNES classics on Walmart because Walmart played you dust and said, oh no, we're going to cancel all these orders. Apparently these orders for the SNES classic went live a bit too early. Um, a whole like two months early. (laughs) So every pre-order that has come in in the last couple of days has been canceled or will be canceled. If you paid with credit card, um, you know, it'll be a couple of days before it goes through. If you pay with PayPal or a gift card, the amount is going to be refunded to you. Um, I know. I know some of those those credit cards haven't even been charged. So what's actually happening is the pre orders are going to be for the September 29th release date. So they were way too early. Somebody flipped the wrong level or pushed the wrong switch over at Walmart. So sorry, you guys who ordered and thought y'all was winning, but nah. Oh yeah, yeah, that hurts. I mean, I'm, I feel. Were for you them. one of them? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. No, no. I, I'm still holding out for the you know Nintendo 64 classic because I just want you know Goldeneye. Like, oh, so you, you so you think they're just gonna keep going through? I, actually, everything. I've, I've heard they're not, but you know, yeah, I've 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 read that they're not. Like, this is probably gonna be the last yeah, classic well, type of thing they're gonna do. Well, I really don't care. You know, like I said, I just want Goldeneye. The rest of those games, yeah. I'll play them on, you know, mods or whatever on the computer. It's not that serious. Oh, man. Um, but, you know, one more thing in tech news. I got to play the beta of Destiny 2, and I was not really a big Destiny fan. I felt like it was um, the division with, like, space. And, you know, I hated all the time you had to spend building weapons up, et cetera, et cetera, all that mess. But I really enjoyed the beta on of Destiny 2. I can't lie. When you're, like, jumping in the air and you're shooting the hell out of a bunch of aliens, and it, you just feel like such an awesome dude. So, so you never played Destiny, the, the original? Not all the way through, no. I played it, like, here and uh, there, you know, when my homies would be playing it, I'd jump on, et cetera, but never, it was, like, It was a I, very good game, actually. I mean, the thing is, I was tired of that type of game after all... Um, uh, the grinding after, type yeah, of Yeah, the thing. grinding, I really don't care for. That's why I love Overwatch so much. You know, there's some grinding in Overwatch. It's, like, not to get better stuff. You know, it's, like, yeah. cosmetics. I don't, I don't like yeah. having to grind to get this done. But yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy it in Destiny 2 because I understand because the guns are really ill. You know, there's a lot of different ill guns that have different powers and effects. And when you let that super go, that was dope. So, you know, I, I'll probably be on Destiny 2. I'm not I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to front about that at all. I'm actually thinking about getting it, but for the PC. Because mm. I, I have a rig and I can actually uh, enjoy it. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, you do that because I'll still be on my Xbox. And, um, you know, I guess that's it for tech news and my little edition. So I guess it's time for some comics. 
I can't. Yep. And this week in comics, I comped. It is, man, they, you know, that's one thing I will say, yo, out of everything, Secret Empire, you know, it's been coming out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that, that, that's what I can say about it. You know, every issue keeps coming out. Like, it's not like there's been any delays or anything, you know. They just keep bringing it out. Marvel just does not decide to stop this. And uh, the latest issue of Secret Empire is, you know, we're coming to the end of Marvel's big crossover of Nazi Captain America and Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, who has had a vision of killing Captain America since the beginning of this series. I think if not before that, Um, you know, it's like he gets to the point where the vision is supposed to take place, basically, like he's at that moment. Something major happens in this issue that I don't want to spoil that is quite terrible. And just yet another thing in this series that seems like it's trying to get retconned a hell away because it's like they just, a major character dies and it's like, and it's actually somebody we've mentioned before in the show. I'll even say that. But it's just like, oh, well, that, that's not going to last. There's no <laughs> way. Because they just get killed in such a like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I guess you needed a, you know, you needed a reason for Spider-Man to be mad. Right. And so enough to, you know, kill Captain America like he had in his vision. So he attacks Captain America. He doesn't kill him, of course. And, you know, some other stuff happens. Uh, whatever. Um, you know, I, I do have a quick point on that, though, because I read this article about how the comic industry is collapsing and a lot of people blame it on stuff like the Secret Empire stuff. And it's really not that serious where it's like Marvel well. is still making hella money. You know, they're still making money. They're just going through a really bad patch of comics right now. Like, I see. Yeah. And well, I mean, even we or you have been just saying how they just not on it when it comes to comics right now. But it's not even that, because they have a lot of great comics. It's like they're just promoting the wrong things. Like, you know, I just b- talked about Secret Empire, but I got to big it up. I don't, I don't think a new issue dropped this week, but Black Bolt, I mean, Black Bolt, if you can get that by Saladin Ahmed and uh, Christian Ward on art, is so dope. You know, Ultimates from Marvel, so dope. But Marvel's just not promoting these series like they're promoting Secret Empire. And I understand why, but at the same time, you know, well, hopefully Saladin, you know, stays with Marvel and, you know, moves up in the ranks where his net series gets that promotion that it needs. Ultimate same thing by Al Ewing, because these are the stuff they need to be talking about and they're not. So, hey, we are, you know, make sure you're picking up that. Um, Gwenpool is also dope from Marvel. Uh, Devil Dinosaur and Moon Girls, dope as hell. Oh, my joint, The Unstoppable Wasp, is so dope. And that's another one Marvel's not promoting, sadly. And that is so dope. I just uh, started to reread the Mockingbird trades from Marvel. Those are crazy. Go pick those up. So Marvel's doing a lot of dope stuff. It's just, you know, their main stuff is kind of weak right now. Also, the sweet saga dropped, you know, another incredible issue, just heartbreaking as always, just one of the best books every week or whenever it comes out. Saga number 45 dropped this week. And I want to big up something because I talked about it last week, but Batman by Tom King is like, that joint is really turning into, you know, another of his, you know, masterpieces like Vision, really? like Omega Men. Yeah. And I read an article, an interview with him where he says it's doing, he has an 100 issue plot line, you know, mapped out. And they're only on like 26 right now or 24, I think. 
So, you know, he's got a hundred issues plotted out where he wants to take this. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is serious. And in the latest issue, he starts the story about Kite Man, who is like a minor-ass Batman villain. And he gives him this really effed-up backstory. And in in the next issue, we're going to continue it. But just that one issue in the effed-up backstory is like one of those visions issues where it's like, oh, like, oh, that was, you know. That's messed up. And so, yeah, I highly recommend Tom King's Batman to anyone. Like, at first when I was reading it, I was like, okay, this is cool, whatever. It's not as good as Vision Omega Men. But, like, as he's gotten into it and I'm realizing this is a long story he's telling, I'm like, oh, okay, Tom King is really... So this is the long game. Yeah, he's really trying to make his mark. Like, Grant Morrison, you know, made his mark. Like, I mean, I could go back. Frank Miller, you know, before that. I mean, on and on. You know, he's trying to make his mark on Batman. And I think he's doing a damn good job so far. So definitely check that out. Um, oh, one last one. I cannot forget. Black Panther number 16 or number 15 by, you know, the brother Ta-Nehisi Coates has one of the illest moments in comics this week. He, I'm going to actually post it on the Twitter on Fanbro Show. But it's a discussion between Black Panther and this black uh, villain who is like a super smart dude who's been compared to the black Bruce Banner. And that's the point that Black Panther makes to him in this issue. He's like, no, you're not the black Bruce Banner. You're, you know, Dr. William, I can't remember his last name. And he's like, you're a genius. He's like, prisons are filled with the black Bruce Banners. And see, that's what you were talking about earlier. That's what I was talking about earlier. You know, I I didn't want to say it then. I was saving it for now. But to bring it back to what you were saying earlier, Tatiana, that's the exact same thing that Ta-Nehisi is saying in this issue. Like, you know, prisons are filled with the black Bruce Banners. Like, if you're the Hulk and you're black, you go to prison or you're killed. Hmm. Like, yo, y'all, Ta-Nehisi, yo, people were sleeping on this Black Panther. I don't know why, because it was actually a very good run, or is a very good run. Yeah, I was like, whatever. I don't know why either, but once again, you know, that's all I'm going to say. That's it for Comics I Cop. Make sure you pick up all that stuff. Use the hashtag Comics I Copped on Twitter, on Instagram. Let me know what you're, you know, picking up, what you've been reading, anything you've been rereading, old, new, it don't matter. I just want to see it. At me, DJ Ben, I mean, you know. All that good stuff. And uh, speaking of black superheroes, this seems to <laughs> not be making the news like I feel like it should be. Like, And it's weird because this was announced at Comic-Con. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot announced at Comic-Con, so I think maybe that's why it got you know, pushed under just, the rug. Because yeah, there's, there was a lot at Comic-Con. But Lawrence Fishburne is playing uh, Black Goliath, and he won't be called Black Goliath. He's anymore. Giant Man. Yeah, Bill Foster. Uh, Bill Foster is the name of the character that Lawrence Fishburne will be playing in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And also Michelle Pfeiffer, right? Yep. Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean. She's going to be playing Janet Van Dyne, which is the wife of the original uh, Ant-Man, Hank Pym. Yes. Michael Douglas. Also the original Wasp, who, you know, was presumed lost in the first film. But everyone has been saying that she is going to return, you know, in the like because people are saying the theory out there is that she's trapped in the microverse. And so while she's trapped in the microverse, she's not going to age like that, et cetera, et cetera. So at some point when she gets freed, she's still going to be Michelle Pfeiffer in the present day with Hank Pym. Wasn't that, didn't they talk about that in the original uh, Ant-Man? I mean, not the original Ant-Man, you know what I mean? The Ant-Man movie wasn't, yeah, or maybe yeah. maybe Wasp, I'm, I'm adding that in. into the microverse, but it's presumed right. that she's dead in it. 
Right. Because she went like she went to infinitesimal. Right. Yeah. Or something like that. Well, apparently she's back. Uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to explain that. Um, and, and obviously she's going to be mother to, to Hope, uh, who's played by Evangeline, Evangeline Lilly in the upcoming Ant-Man and the Wasp. But also it might not just be that because, you know, it might just be where she's in flashbacks. But I doubt it. I can't see it. I think mm, yeah. I think some way she's going to get freed from the microverse and we're going to see yeah. him in the present time, which would be ill because if they can somehow get them all together, you know, and they're all in an infinity war too. I mean, yo. Yeah. And once again, another comic book movie vet, she played uh, Catwoman. I mean, come on. Um, I mean, did she, did she play in a Tim Burton one? Yes. Murdered it. Okay. Murdered yeah. it. Like, yeah. One of the best. One of the most iconic versions of uh, Catwoman. Yes. Right up there with Eartha Kitt. Yep. The most iconic, you know, as we say. Exactly. Yes. And also this week, uh, you know, I I mean, I'm not even going to say this brother's name. You know, True Detective Season 3, I'll let you do it, Tatiana. You know, I know none of us were really looking for the the True Detective, but now that this confirmation has been made. Mahershala Ali or Mahershala. There you go. That's what I was waiting for. That's what I was waiting for, you know? <laughs> the brother has been confirmed as one of the leads in True Detective Season 3. And as we all know, you know, for long-term listeners of Ambrose Show Special Delivery, True Detective Season 1, one of the best seasons of television ever. Season 2? Ooh. Yeah, I, I remember all the uh, the notes on... <laughs> All the internal notes about it not being the best, i.e. trash. Man, <laughs> I mean, it was like ludicrous. That that that's a, like if it had come out like around along the same time Gotham and like Legends of Tomorrow and uh, Power and Empire come out, it would have been believable because it's on that level of like ridiculous. But, yeah, yikes. No, no, I mean, yikes, utter, utter <laughs> nonsense. Yeah, but you know, Mahershala, the brother. You know, the king himself, you know, season three, I'm on it. You know, I don't, yeah, I tell me no more. Marshala. End of story. Also, uh, Watchmen, the comic book that's coming to HBO, won't be a straight up remake of the story. They said they want to do multiple seasons, of course. So they're going to milk it. You don't sound too thrilled. I mean, I got to tell you, again, I was I was not a fan of the movie. I didn't know, did not read Watchmen, the yep. books, and, and I know there's a lot behind it. The movie was very, 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 very boring to me. I believe so, it. I, so, and, and I'm, I, I know for a lot of people, that was the first time that they've really been acquainted with Watchmen. So I know that they, the people who did not like it, like myself, may not have a greatest taste for this when this premieres um, or, or the fact that this is even happening. So I don't, I'm not sure what the reception will be. Yeah. Um, I'm more not mad. Just trying to like, uh, because Alan Moore, the original. And why is HBO doing this? They just want to have a superhero stuff going on too. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of other stuff they could do. And that's yet another problem. Like with Watchmen, it's a very white centered series. I mean, um, like every character. so was Game of Thrones, but you know. Um, fuck, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Anyway, the the creator of Alan, you know, creator Alan Moore, you know, has never liked this type of stuff. Like he doesn't like these translations. He doesn't need it. Doesn't want it. And so it's like, damn, they just shitting on him, and then they go shit on him for multiple seasons too. So it's like, damn, like you gonna just milk his idea to the grave. You know, like we were talking about earlier, we you know we got these dope ass pictures on Instagram.com/slash Fanbro Show. 
But, you know, the brother Chico Leo wasn't featured in them. You know, you know, I've been talking to him. You know, he's coming back around, coming back from his spacewalk. So he'll be here soon in a spaceship. But, you know, in honor the brother and because we got more dope content for you, I got to give a big shout out to Tatiana and her interview of Jessica Williams on the, you, you know, from the new flick that's dropping on Netflix tomorrow, this weekend. The Incredible Jessica James. There you go. Yep, drops on the 28th on Netflix. Check it out. I got to see the film, thought it was cool. Love talking with Jessica. She gives some real, real gems mm-hmm. on my interview with her. Check that out on Fanbros TV on YouTube. You can also go to fanbros.com to watch the interview and definitely support Jessica Williams. Word up on Netflix this week, you know, diversity in action. Boom. You want to see diversity? There it is. Support this film. Go watch it. And then, you know, you'll see more like it. That's how it happens, folks. It's real simple. Also, you know, before we get out of here, cannot forget to mention, I mean, I know we didn't forget to mention this, but I got to say it one time. If you're in New York City, you need to come out to the art show. It is hopping. It's going to be so crazy. I'm going to be DJing. Tatiana will be in the house. D. Chico Leo will be there. Who else knows who's coming through? I mean, all kind of special surprise, celebrity guests, the art alone is so sick. Like, y'all, I cannot wait for y'all to see this stuff for real because it's so crazy. You know, thank you, Tatiana, Merjani. Big shouts to all the artists who contributed because y'all did some ill-ass stuff. Pink's NYC. Google it if you don't know where it is. Come through. Check the Instagram for more information. What else do I need to say? Make sure you are subscribed to Fanbro Show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, and anywhere else that you get your podcasts. We're also showing up in one other place very soon, so we'll announce that. But that being said, make sure you're listening to Fanbro Show as you're listening to now. Make sure you're listening to Outlaw Bars, the podcast hosted by three black women talking about all things anime. Listen to The Screen Squad hosted by Dos Leos, Chico Leo and Leo Fairman about everything horror. And as always, listen to make sure you listen to Slam Bros, which is the wrestling podcast hosted by Illawasi, Illawasi, and like Bowman12L. Yes, Bowman12L and Illawasi. Illawasi. Also catch, this, you know, Illa, we love him, but, you know, he actually tried to say that he crushed me in our Uh-oh. debate on the first, you know, special delivery on YouTube. Uh no, you guys watching, you guys tell me what you think. And also, you can stop emailing or telling Ben I mean if he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's okay. He got the message. 